This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is October the 4th, 2011, last time I looked. <laughs> this morning I looked out at the American Autumn. Yes, we got American Autumn. That's not like the Arab Spring, you know. Uh, I, I'd love to talk about Wall Street. It's all so exciting, but uh, I'm going to leave that for the wiser heads for the political people, what I wanted to talk about today is our American culture and whether or not the culture vultures are doing their job. You know, we, <laughs> we like, what is it, We're eating off the body politic. Most of us keep hoping that, uh, you know, we will be saved by the arts, by the, the people who write and think and tell us what it's all about, but most of the time we don't have a chance. Uh, it's all over, you know, before we know what hit us. Uh, today, I have got a premium for you. We're doing a fundraising marathon today, uh, and uh, I need I need to um, tell you about this book that I've got. It's called The Help. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list, and uh, it's all about black women in the South uh, and the folks they worked for. Yes, it's now a major motion picture, it says here. I saw the picture. It's written by Catherine Stockett, and uh, I'm looking at the picture on the front of it, and <laughs> says a lot. Right. Uh, now... Uh, the reason, yeah, the reason why I picked this book is because it's, what do you call that? Uh, it's not just, well, part of it's because my friend Veronica suggested it. Veronica, you're on now Friday. It's Sunday nights, are you? On KPFA, you've got a show here. Uh, my mic isn't on, Jennifer. Oh, yes, okay. I have a show on Sunday night. Well, then I will talk about. I will talk about Veronica, and when her mic is on, she will talk about Veronica. Anyway, there you go. What she did, um, what she did was uh, tell me that this was a a movie I should see, and not only that, but I got the book and read all 524 pages in a couple of days. I was knocked out. I was knocked over. It's an amazing book. Uh, she had to rest from it. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long tradition, these books, um, to kill a mockingbird. They actually, she mentions that book a lot of times. Uh, this is one of those novels. It's fiction, but it's based on very concrete historical fact. We get the assassination of Kennedy right here. We're in 62, 63, 64. We get all that historical background, Medgar Evers. The women are praying for his wife, that kind of thing. So what we've got is a fictional foreground. We've got all these women that uh, obviously are people that the author knew. And uh, the background is uh, Mississippi in 1962, 63, 64. And as I said, this is, this is one of those. It's a conventional novel. It's a uh, page-turner it's all about um, the human relations, uh, the the real history for me. Um, I don't like to read history books that are nothing but dates and, you know, battles. This is the, I don't want to call it the 
feminist. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going to call it the real history of a time and place. Uh, you know, uh, I can give you this book for a $75 gift if you call in today and subscribe to Free Speech Radio. You know the phone numbers. You've been listening to the phone numbers. It's in the five and dime area code, folks. <laughs> or 1-800-HEY-KPFA. That's the easiest one to remember. 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Also, you can call us at one 800 Four three nine fifty seven thirty two or uh five one oh eight four eight fifty seven thirty two. Uh now it says here I got this from the phone room that my goal is seven hundred dollars. Well that's embarrassing. <laughs> I got to come up with seven hundred dollars, so you got to help me, folks. Otherwise I'll drop the ball. Oh, money, 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 Moloch, Moloch. Um, we can't make it without the money. You know how that is. Uh, money is the blood of our society. It's reality. I looked up reality and it means the coin of the realm. Realm, R-E-A-L-M. That's where we get the word real. Yes, show me the money. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I do appreciate it if you can call in and subscribe to KPFA. Uh, I, I sat up late last night and I read all these history books about, uh, mostly about Jim Crow. I've got a big book that was published in the late 60s. I, I chose this book because it's the same period in history as the the novel that I'm asking you to call and uh, get for your gift. It's one of those collections of information, you know, it's the executive order where Truman desegregated the military. Uh, there's wonderful stuff about James Baldwin having that debate with the uh, late William Buckley. Very funny. He won the debate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the debate was the the American dream is at the expense of the American Negro. Yes, uh, I have to admit that Buckley won. I mean that Buckley, what is it? Buckley won the first half and then Baldwin came in with a left and a right and proved that yes, indeed, uh, it had been extremely expensive. Uh to indulge in chattel slavery for 300 years. Anyway, I'm putting this book aside for now, and maybe when I have time someday, uh, you know, like late at night, I can read you all those horrible historical, uh, historical, what are they, um, essays, lectures. We all know that the facts were not just bloody but heartbreaking. Uh what I'm interested in now is what young writers are making of all this. Uh, I'd be interested to know what Toni Morrison and some others have to say about this book. Uh, it's about a woman, a black maid in 1962, Jackson, Mississippi, who's raising white children. Yes, I always think of 
My archetype would be Ethel Waters in Member of the Wedding, you remember? <laughs> the little kid who wanted a wee of me. She wanted to belong to uh, her, what is it, I guess, her her nanny, her mammy's group. She wanted to be part of the we of me. Then she wanted to be part of her brother's wedding. She just wanted to be part of something. Anyway, uh, her comfort, her uh, best friend was Bernice, the woman that raised her in a kitchen in the 1940s. Now, in the 40s, there was one story. In the 60s, there's another story. Uh, in this book called The Help, the other, one of the other central characters is Minnie Jackson. That would be my pick for, well, that's the part I'd want to play if I looked the part. <laughs> Minnie is the one who can't keep a job because she can't keep her mouth shut. She's uh, very likely to speak truth to power, and boom, she says she lost another job. Uh, anyway, uh, there's a young woman just come back from college. You know, it's the 60s, well, the early 60s. Skeeter, she she wants to be a writer, Uh any resemblance between Skeeter and the author of this book is right on target. Uh, her mother's upset because she has no husband or no prospect of a husband. Uh, mother was played by that great actress. Uh, oh, what is her name? Um, she was in, she's in The Wire. Uh, and she, no, no, she's, uh, uh, Let's see, Janie. Allison Janie was her name. She plays the the mother, very neurotic mother. Uh, anyway, the mother had fired a maid called Constantine. Constantine had raised Skeeter, the white central character in this story. And we find out slowly but surely that the reason Constantine was fired was, well, you're going to have to get the book and find out. <laughs> it was one of those... Race issues, I refer you to Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, and you'll find out what happened. Anyway, all these different women uh, bump into each other here. Let's see, they, uh, they, well, they don't exactly destroy each other, but they come close to it. Uh, Skeeter decides to write uh, a telltale book about what's really going on, what it's like to work as a black maid in a white home, and especially to raise the children of white women, uh, knowing that those children are going to grow up and become just like their mommy and their daddy. Anyway, some of this is uh, incredibly funny, and I like that a lot. Uh, let's face it, uh, when you get down to human, human things, nothing's ever black and white uh, it Tony Morrison used to say you know a whore can be a lover a mammy can be a mother she goes on in that vein at great length uh, what's interesting of course is that the author here has taken her own life and turned it into fiction of a kind I think of books like Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings that's basically just straight autobiography. And, uh, of course, it's one of the, uh, 
I, I found it one of the most usable books when I was teaching black adolescent children. Maya Angelou's book was one of their favorites. Uh, anyway, back in the back of this book, there is a little essay called Too Little, Too Late by the author. Catherine Stockett, S-T-O-C-K-E-T-T. Catherine Stockett in her own words. Um, and she talks about a maid called Dimitri. It's funny how uh, I wanted Dimitri's story to turn out differently. Of course. And when I thought about it, I, I realized that that's the reason why Catherine Stockett wrote this book. Because she wants to change the past. She wants to, what's the word? Um, she wants to uh, rewrite or to resolve history. That's what we do, you know. Um, I remember the first story that I wrote. Um, never mind, I'll save that for another time. Uh, was about the black mother who raised me in Tucson, Arizona in the 1930s. Uh, let me read you a little bit of Catherine Stockett's essay, Too Little, Too Late. She writes, Our family maid, Dimitri. She used to say, Picking cotton in Mississippi in the dead of summer is about the worst pastime there is if you don't count picking okra. Another prickly, low-growing thing. Dimitri used to tell us all kind of stories about picking cotton. As a girl, she'd laugh and shake her finger at us, warning us against it, as if a bunch of rich white kids might fall to the evils of cotton picking, like cigarettes or hard liquor. She said, for days I picked and picked, and then I looked down, my skin had bubbled up. I showed my mama. None of us had ever seen sunburn on a black person before. That was for white people. I was too young to realize that what she was telling us wasn't very funny. Dimitri was born in Lampkin, Mississippi in 1927. A horrifying year to be born just before the Depression set in. Right on time for a child to appreciate in fine detail what it felt like to be poor, colored, and female on a sharecropping farm. <laughs> I can't help a footnote here. The great Entusaki Shange in her masterpiece play for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. She has the most wonderful line in that. We used it in my classroom for years. She said, I can't stand being, what was it, um, poor and colored. Uh, it's so redundant in the modern world. Yeah, poor, colored, and a woman. It's so redundant in the modern world. Uh, Anyway, Catherine Stockett goes on to say that the maid Dimitri came to cook and clean for her family. She was 28. She says, my father was 14. My uncle was 7. That would be, uh, right. Dimitri, she says, was stout, dark-skinned, and married by then to a mean, abusive drinker named Clyde. She wouldn't answer me when I asked questions about him, but besides the subject of Clyde, she would talk to us all day. God, how I'd love to talk to Dimitri. After school, uh, 
After school, I'd sit in my grandmother's kitchen, listen to her stories, and watch her mix up the cakes and fry the chicken. Another footnote here. This book, The Help, has some wonderful, uh, some wonderful scenes in which you see the cooking. I, I know people neglect that kind of thing. Personally, I, I liked all the tips. I used some of them. Anyway, her cooking was outstanding, says the author, yes. It was something people discussed at length after they ate at my grandmother's table. You felt loved when you tasted Dimitri's caramel cake. My older brother and sister and I were not allowed to bother Dimitri during her own lunch break. Grandmother would say, leave her alone now, let her eat, this is her time. I would stand in the kitchen doorway, itching to get back with her. Grandmother wanted Dimitri to rest so she could finish her work. Not to mention white people did not sit at the table while a colored person was eating. Ah, that was just a normal part of life. Those rules between blacks and whites. As a little girl, seeing black people in the colored part of town, even if they were dressed up, doing fine, I remember pitying them. I am so embarrassed to admit that now. Let's see, this author, when she writes this essay, I guess she would be in her 40s, right? Her 40s. She goes on to write, I didn't pity Dimitri, though. There were several years when I thought she was immensely lucky to have us. She had a secure job in a nice house, cleaning up after white Christian people. Also, because Dimitri had no babies of her own, we felt like we were filling a void in her life. If anyone asked her how many children she had, she would hold up her fingers and say, Three, she meant us, my sister Susan, my brother Rob, and me. My siblings deny this, but I was closer to Dimitri than the other kids were. <laughs> yes. Oh, let's see, another footnote here. That is the mark of an angelic uh, care person, caretaker. They always make every child feel that they're the only child. Anyway, nobody could get cross with me if Dimitri was nearby. She would stand in front of the mirror and she would say, You are beautiful. You a beautiful girl, which clearly I was not. I wore glasses and had stringy brown hair. I had a stubborn aversion to the bathtub. My mother was out of town a lot. <laughs> Susan and Rob were tired of me hanging around, and I felt left over. Dimitri knew it. She took my hand and told me I was fine. My parents divorced when I was six. Dimitri became even more important to me then. When my mother went on one of her frequent trips, Daddy put us kids in a motel he owned. He brought in Dimitri to stay with us. I'd cry and cry on Dimitri's shoulder, missing my mother so bad I'd get a fever from it. By then, my sister and brother had, in their way, outgrown Dimitri. They, they'd sit around the motel penthouse playing poker. 
using bar straws as money. I remember watching them jealous because they were older. One time I got to thinking, I'm not a baby anymore. I don't have to take up with Dimitri while the others play poker. Another footnote here. Yes, I got to thinking about it, and that's exactly the way it is in all the books and plays when the so-called, uh, yes, the so-called child outgrows this black mother that they think of as, uh, what do you call that, part of their childhood. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to cut in here and and uh, try to ask listeners to buy this book along with a membership in KPFA. Veronica's going to help me do this. Well, actually, I know they really want to buy this book and a membership at KPFA. This is a wonderful book, Jennifer, and I have to tell you, that as a Southerner, I feel that it definitely uh, paints a much more concise picture of what went on during that period of time than the film does, of course, as usual. Yep. So I want to give you the telephone number so you can call us at area code 510-848-5732-1800-439-5732. And this is, you're listening to Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. I'm here with her, Veronica Jo. Actually, Jennifer and I are good friends. I know that there are some fans who remember my first time coming on Jennifer's show. She was very generous allowing me to speak on the air. And you don't know unless you're here how priceless that is. And Jennifer (laughs) has been donating. How long have you been doing this, Jennifer? For years, donating her time here at KPFA. How long? Tell me. Sometime in the early 80s, I think it was. I think that's it. 1981. So I've got a quarter of a century. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A full quarter. Yeah. And, you know, I was looking at change. Yeah. This book, uh, I think what you got from the movie, you know, it is in the book, but not, you know, the, the let's think of the movie as kind of a, uh, um, uh, a trailer for the book. You know how that goes sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Because what we've got in the book is the complex relationship, the, if you'll forgive me, I know it might be politically incorrect, but the tremendous amount of love there was between these two groups. They actually, uh, the, the Constantine in the, you didn't care so much for Cecily Tyson, you said, but I like Cecily Tyson because I think she made a wonderful mother figure for the... She's only in there for a minute, you Uh know? Well, you know, Jennifer, I think it's important for people to get this book and read it. If they are readers, and I know you have a lot of listeners that are Mm -hmm. readers, right? Because you talk about books. So I'd like to see the phone lines light up at this point. Area code 510-848-5732-1800-958- Five seven three two. It's an opportunity to, to support KPFA. In this particular show, uh, Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone, our goal here is to raise $700. And between the two of us, the, the many of us, Jennifer and myself and you, I know we can do it. So go ahead. You know, I'm waiting to see whatever you are doing. Just take a moment. Go pick up the phone and call and pledge your support to KPFA. Jennifer, um, 
this book has many dimensions to it, and that's why I think it's yeah. worth reading. It's a real gift book if you are trying to introduce uh, younger people. You know, I, I think of that scene when Cecily Tyson comes in. It's not a Hattie McDaniel thing or nothing like that. Thank it's, goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, God bless Hattie McDaniel mm-hmm, for the work mm-hmm. that she... But uh, Cecily Tyson here, this is what I call the, the mythic... Um, the mythic mother, when she comes back to tell you, uh, it's in this story, she tells these young women, you know, that they are, uh, God, that awful word, empowered, but, you know, she gives hey, them a soul. I like that soul. word. She gives them a soul. Okay, okay, empowered is okay. Okay, but. okay, we got one person on the line. That's yeah. wonderful. We want to see... Four more, at least. You know, I told you we're going to raise $700 here in the next few moments. I know we can do it. Now, the book is a premium for $75. It's called The Help by Catherine Stockett. And it's a wonderful book. It absolutely, you know, a lot, we still have these unresolved issues in the United States regarding black, white issues, African-American, European issues and this really goes back to some of the fundamental issues that came up and i suggest to you that if you get this book and read it you can decide for yourself you can get a clear understanding of what's going on why it happened you can decide for yourself and i believe once we have knowledge once we're empowered we can move on into the future we don't have to wait so the telephone number is 510-848-5732-1800 Four nine three five seven three two. We have two people on the line. That's wonderful. Thank oh, you. Thank gosh. you for your support. Thank you. And I know there are other people that support too. And all they need do is pick up the phone. <laughs> and if you're driving, by all means, pull over. Jennifer has a real thing about that. Whenever she calls me, she wants to make sure that I'm not driving. And so I'm going to pass that on to you. But by all means, do pull over and call at this particular time because then, oh. I might add, you can also pledge securely online at www.kpfa.org. And as I said, our goal here is $700, and I believe we're going to make it. I think historical novels are the most exciting because they get people started, and then the people become historians. And this is all about who we were and what we did and what was wise and what was not so wise and how how we got to where we are now. And you're never going to know who you are till you know who you've been. And I suggest that you get this book and start a uh a group uh, discussion about this book. Have everybody. As a matter of fact, have all call all your friends in your in your reading group. Tell them to call right now and pledge for this book, and you can read this book and discuss it for yourself. There's plenty of things to discuss. Jennifer and I don't really agree on all of it, although she is my wonderful friend. Yeah, she has a different perspective on it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I love Jennifer, (laughs) even though she grew up with a nanny. Okay, I can handle that. You're 62 and I'm 77, and that makes a big difference too. That's Uh, a huge difference. But that's not what it's about, Jennifer. You Mm -hmm. know that it's about the fact that it's important to have this conversation, and that's what we do. So call me. Call us. What you? Five ten eight four eight five seven three two or one eight hundred nine one eight hundred. 
I was going to give the call. <laughs> 1-800-439-5732. Please call and pledge. We have two people on the line. I know we have more than two people in the phone room, Jennifer. You can call later today, folks. You really can call anytime and get this book, The Help. Tell you them know. you want to support Jennifer when you do. God bless you, uh, Veronica. You really got this down nailed. And we're going to get. Uh, we're going to listen to. Veronica on Sunday nights at 7.30 and she's going to tell us... The week starts here, okay? The week starts here. You can tell us what life was like in Louisiana when you were growing up. Oh, okay. I got so many stories about Tucson in the 30s and 40s you would not believe. Okay, so we have to sign off now, but we're going to be watching for your phone call, 510-848-5732, It's the money makes the world go round. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at the same time. Until then, you all go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who And you are tuned to 94.1 FM KPFA in Berkeley and 89.3 FM KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and also online at kpfa.org. We are approaching the 4 p.